Welcome to the Elijah Rising podcast. Elijah Rising is an organization empowering women recovering from sexual exploitation. This episode is going to help you become more aware about the issue of sex trafficking and inspire you to take action. Welcome back. Again, if you haven't already liked and subscribed to this podcast, go ahead and do that right now so that more people can access this important content. And today, I am joined on the podcast by Liesl Arraus, who is the director of the Elijah Rising Restoration Program. Welcome, Liesl. Thank you, Adam. I am so excited to have you on the podcast because this is actually your first time on the Elijah Rising podcast. It took us way too long to get you here, uh, but you're here now. So today what we're going to talk about is the restoration program. We're going to talk about the work of trauma-informed restoration, but specifically uh, those services, like what that is and what how you know what Elijah Rising offers, um, sure. but also the challenges that are associated with that work. And so let's dive in. Let's do it. All right. Uh, so before we talk about those services and those challenges, since it is your first time on the podcast, why don't we get to know you a little bit better? Sure. Um, let's begin with your story. How did you get involved in anti-trafficking work uh, and what led you to you know, come on board with Elijah Rising? Yeah. Um, I actually love telling this story because I learned about kind of this issue of sex trafficking on a van tour with Elijah Rising. Hey, look, that van tour, it, I tell you what, it has done a lot of things, a lot of good things. It yeah. has, it has. Um, and so um, in 2012, so I started volunteering after that. Um, you yeah. can't hear what you hear um, and kind of be exposed to the realities that people are living in, women and children in yeah. your neighborhood, you yeah. know, like down the street where we pass every day yeah. and not be um, compelled to some form of action. So I started volunteering with Elijah Rising and in different capacities, prayer meetings and intervention, things like that. Um, took a break and started doing some other things. It's still in the anti-trafficking world yeah. um, and overseas and domestic and, um, yeah, so fast forward a bit to um, just a couple years ago, and mm-hmm. I was approached by a, an agency here in Houston to apply for a different leadership role in the anti-sex trafficking world. So it was yeah. a big deal to go from volunteer to... Yeah, yeah, um, to like career to, path. To career, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was in school for um, a lot of what I'm doing now, which is beautiful. That's yeah. only the Lord can do that, you know? Yeah. And so um, I actually reached out to Micah and was like, hey, I'm interviewing for this role I'm looking into it could you just pray and yeah. then just a couple days later uh, the position that I was hired on for uh, yeah. became available which so, was originally not program it, it was, was not program. the operations director position right. yeah so you, you know Went into my transitioned yeah sorry go ahead no yeah. no no you're good yeah. um, you know the story so <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah um, stepping into this role now has been incredibly rewarding because like I mentioned it's um, yeah. You know, as a survivor of um, you know sexual violence, it's yeah. not exploitation in that sense, but I definitely um, have seen the Lord do miracles, and so it's a really beautiful thing to continue to learn and grow in this role as I learn kind of how to how to serve these unique and incredible women in yeah. a really unique way. Yeah, so. yeah. So, uh, so tell us a little bit more about what that looks like—that service to these unique and incredible women. What is a <laughs> what is a director of the Elijah Rising Restoration Program? What do you do? Um, 
what's a, what's a day in the life of, of the director of the program look like? Maybe that's a loaded question. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, a lot of days a day. look very different. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. But um, generally, I oversee the development and implementation of the program. So um, that goes into you know everything from trauma-informed policies and procedures um, to make sure that we're serving these women well yeah. in, in kind of the functions of daily life in the program, as well as you know, down to, you know, just the daily schedule. What does a restorative day look like, right? And so that looks like, um, you know, making sure my team is well-trained, making sure we have uh, survivor voices at the table informing kind of what we're doing and how we're doing it. Um, And, you know, it also goes into just kind of the um, administrative side of things. Hmm. But when someone comes and we get a referral for our program, um, I'm the person who they talk to first most of the time. And um, I just really get to know her in terms of, you know, what are hmm. not not what is your story, but what are your goals? So, you know, if you could move towards something, if you move toward restoration, what does that look like for you yeah. uniquely? Right. And sometimes she doesn't know, you know, sometimes dreaming is hard when you've been kind of. Uh, just experience that blunt yeah. trauma on or, a daily or, basis. And, or had people who've intentionally uh, taken your dreams away. That's it. Yeah. 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 So just. Yes. So watching these women um, overcome that and just daily engage mm-hmm. on their own arduous healing journey is um, just the privilege that I get to have every day. And that looks different yeah. all the time. You've so. also got a team around you. You've got a staff that you yeah. put together. And so kind of what, is, what does that look like? What, what kind of roles are you kind of also managing within the, the structure of the program? Sure. So we have our case manager who does a wonderful job resourcing um, the women in our program. Yeah. So that looks like um, connecting them with legal assistance, um, financial repair, because mm. a lot of these women, yeah. um, you know, their identities are stolen. Um, their traffickers will take their identity and open up yeah. as much as they can sure. in their name, yeah. you know, abusing yeah. them in that way. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so really the the roles on our team, I'll go through them, but they go through um, each role is designed to empower women in each dimension of wellness is what we call it. So it's a whole, it's it's not new to the psychological world, but um, we focus on the whole woman, right? Yeah, so yeah. in every way, when a woman's been commercially sexually exploited, mm-hmm. every element of her being has been traumatized, sure. has been brutalized. So um, case management, we really focus on you know, the practical things, legal, financial, medical, Mm. um, occupational, things like that. Um, and then we have our incredible residential manager who oversees kind of the environmental piece. So, um, we believe that each person contributes to the environment. And so, um, really making sure that our, our whole team is held accountable to press into their own healing, Mm. making sure that, um, you know, she does just a great job of kind of, um, challenging our team to do those things. And yeah. so she also upholds the schedule and um, really practical kind of operations of the household. Um, another role on our team is the resident mentor. So they're more of a um, kind of like a one-on-one coach. Mm-hmm. So they meet with the women one-on-one and walk with them through the curriculum. Yeah, um, yeah. And that, that curriculum might be a financial. Um, we use Financial Peace University from Dave Ramsey. Um, we also... Um, you know, just really they, there's an array of of resources that we pull from. Yeah. Um, but so that's that role. And they also just do life together, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's very much community driven. So, um, 
And, and, so and that's, you, I mean, some of these roles, they, they actually live in the house. That's I right. mean, on a rotating basis, right? They're not like full-time residents, right. like our full-time residents. But sure. th- when you say do life, they are actually like eating meals together yeah. and cooking meals together and like going on walks together. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So that's our resident advisors are kind of the 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 foundation of our program. You mm. know, they help make things work and really um, – yeah, they do. They live on campus with these women. Right. You know, we're in their home, you know, mm-hmm. when they're with us for two years. That's we're well in said. their home. That so well said, yeah. um, it, it comes with a responsibility to, you know, honor their process. And as we're teaching them, we're also honoring them as individuals. And, yeah. you know, you can't expect someone who's never been taught something to know something. Sure. Right. So sure. Um, we understand that our role is truly um, like mentors, you yeah. know, in some yeah. ways. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Does that answer your question? There's also a psychologist around there somewhere. Yeah. So we yeah, have a about that. wonderful psychologist. Um, she's in, been in the um, in this field for quite some time. Uh, her name's Dr. Mary Reisinger. Yeah. We adore her. We do. Yeah. If you're watching, we, we adore sure you. do. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but she she's um, been integral to the development of our program. You yeah. know, and yeah. um, speaking to the processes, and um, you know, she's. Even before she was on staff with Elijah Rising, right. before that she was just generously offering her time, yeah. and um, you know, so she, yeah, she's also great support to our team. You know, when we have questions yeah. or um, you know, yeah, so she's her expertise has been paramount. Yeah, our, it, our it is. It is really. Um, it kind of takes us to that next level of excellence. I think yeah, um, having absolutely. a clinical. I, I, I think a very well-renowned clinical psychologist on staff here. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're kind of, you know, it's kind of setting you up for the next question here by, you know, who's on the staff? What do they do? So uh, tell us a little bit more about the program itself. What is, what does the program, uh, like who does it serve? Let's, let's maybe let's start there. Like who, who does this program serve? How are they being served? Um, and just, you know, I know there's like a, a million answers to this part, but like what sort of services does the Elijah Rising Restoration Program offer? Yeah. So we, well, our mission first is always to serve and empower women who've obviously overcome commercial sexual exploitation. That's the field we're in. Um, We do that through a clinically based um, residential environment, right? So, and our hope is to do that through the compassion of Christ. Like that's Mm -hmm. really what drives us. Uh, We serve women that are 18 to 40 years old and we'll take older on a case by case basis. It just kind of depends. Um, But our primary focus is empowering them with, um, you know, practical tools. Um, And so um, again, the, the intent is to focus on the the eight dimensions of wellness, including leadership. Um, So you asked, what are like the services we provide? Yeah. Um, so we we partner with some incredible agencies to resource them because we don't have to do everything because yeah, we yeah, have yeah. incredible partners who yeah. are doing it. You know, we, we have the benefit of living in a city that's kind of awoken to this issue. That's and it. So mm-hmm. you know, I, some of our listeners, you know, are all, are all over the place, and like we really do have a wealth here in we Houston really in the Greater Houston area of people who understand the issue and who mm-hmm. will partner with us. That's right. It. So yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, so one that we really love to partner with is the Joseph project. Mm-hmm. You know, they've done an incredible job in a matter of days. They connected one of yeah. our, our, yeah. um, residents with really the answer to her 18 month journey with yeah. the legal system. They stepped yeah. in and they just knocked it out so quickly for her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it was a, it was a huge obstacle for her to to get to that next level of her recovery. So it's just amazing. Yeah. Um, but another, you know, another facet would be, you know, uh, connecting them with whatever assistance that that's available to them while they get on, on their feet, you sure. know, whether that be government assistance or, you know, um, really resourcing them well financially in, in ways that we can um, through whether it's syst- systematic or um, another thing is our social enterprise. You know, we yeah. um, at a certain point of the program, if they need it, they go into the social social enterprise to establish, you know, um, credible work history, you know, um, letters of recommendation, things yeah. like that, and acquire great job skills, um, yeah. different forms of etiquette that you don't know until you know, you yeah. know. Um, you know, a lot of these women have been on the streets since they were teenagers, yeah. you know, and so yeah. the the level of care and resources that they need vary drastically because sure. some of these women are college graduates too, yeah. you know, and Which, it's just... Lisa, it's, that's such an important note, and, and we've mm-hmm. kind of said this on the podcast before, but I, I feel like it's, you know, we need to say it again and again and again. Absolutely. Like every single woman, every single overcomer is different. That's like it. We can't just look at this issue or we can't just look at those who have been victimized by this issue as like some, there is no monolith, right? There is no mm-hmm. like type. Every human being is unique. Yeah. And so that puts you in this role to where you have to create this program filled with services that can meet a myriad, mm-hmm. you know, untold amounts of, you know, different unique traumas, mm-hmm. life experiences. Some have college degrees. Yeah. Some, some don't. Some were trafficked as children. Some mm-hmm. experienced it later. So I, that, that yeah, you go, go ahead. So I, you, you said something that will kind yeah, yeah. of simplify this answer a bit. So what we've done is we've designed the program in by the state, stages of change model. Okay, it's yeah. a recovery model. Tell us about so that. Yeah. Um, in each phase, each of the five five phases, there are some general goals that they have okay. um, to accomplish. One would be, you know, a lot of these women who come to us, um, they're dealing with PTSD, extreme PTSD, some sure. sometimes complex PTSD, which means that their trauma probably started in the developmental stages right. of their life, meaning early childhood or sometime in there. Um, and so we have a heavy emphasis on just therapy and showing up for yourself, you know? Mm. And so, um, each Mm. of those phases is designed, um, with goals, general goals, you know, and some might check them off real fast and be like, I already got that down pat, move on. You know, some people might need something different. So, um, so with that, we're able to see along the way kind of assessing needs and assessing ways we can better support her in all those areas that I mentioned. Right. Right. So, Really, there is a general template for the program, but every woman who comes through is going, those needs are going to be covered based on these different assessments that are built in, both psychological assessments that are formal through Dr. Reisinger, as well as through case management or through some evaluations in the home as we're doing it, um, and a social aspect, because some things you don't know until you see someone, you know, living their life that maybe we can support her and some more tools for, um, you know, organization, yeah, you know, just yeah. different things like sure. adulting is hard, you know, yeah. especially when you're kind of learning to adult is hard in general, yeah. you know, on a good <laughs> right. day for whatever. But, right. but yeah, so. Yeah, I've heard Kathy, uh, I think she said it on our podcast here. I'm sure she said it many other places, but Kathy McGiven Givens has said like, like caring for overcomers is both like the most complex thing. And at, and at the same time, like the most simple thing. Yeah. Like, what do That's you well need? Said. <laughs> what do you need to live today? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, well, food, clothing, shelter, right? Yeah. Family, maybe, you know, yeah. some sort of like relationship, you yeah. know? Um, and it sounds like 
you, you know, you, you guys are taking all of that into consideration and providing that framework for anybody who might walk through the door. Because it's a whole person. Right. We're right. intrinsically designed with needs that can be met in a healthy environment. And yeah. so our role is to create a healthy environment and yeah. cultivate a healthy environment where those needs can be identified mm. and fulfilled by according to what she wants too. Because yeah. in some ways, some women might, it might not, everybody's priorities are different too. Sure. I guess is what I'm getting at. So. Yeah. So it sounds like the, 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 the resident, the client, the overcomer, um, has some say, like, like is, is participating in this journey and kind of, I don't know, you know, tell me if I'm using the wrong language, but like, uh, like kind of crafting her healing journey for herself mm-hmm. and y- y'all kind of just help that build that framework to where that's successful. I mean, is that, did I say that right? Or Yeah, kind of. So yes and no. So we have like just the hierarchy of needs. So you have okay. like the, the, um, what is it? So you have like sh- food, shape, safety, right. shelter, those kinds of things. And then you have, you know, um, like if someone doesn't know they're safe, they're not going to heal. Sure. Right. Yeah, so yeah, we yeah. focus on, you got to meet that basic need. Right. And so kind of on the back end, yeah. we can kind of know, um, through just education and being really well-trained and mindful of the person in front of us yeah. to not only discern, but really truly go. It's it's a um, Dr. Karen Purvis calls it um, scaffolding, right? Mm, scaffolding okay. needs, right? Yeah, so yeah. you, if you get the foundation down, then you can go a little bit higher and then eventually you have the whole, yeah. the whole person kind of built up in a way that's holistic. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's a great analogy. Um, yeah, great. I, I think we're going to take a break in the podcast here. But when we come back on the other side, um, I'm going to ask kind of two major questions of Liesl. The first is, why is any of this necessary? And then what are some of the biggest challenges uh, that she, our team, but really like just generally in survivor, you know, restorative care, what are some of those challenges? So we'll see you on the other side of the break. Take a second and think about how many subscription services you have. Netflix, Hulu, Spotify. If you're like me, you have more than you actually use. That money just disappears out of your bank account, or maybe you don't even use the product anymore. So why not donate that same amount of money to Elijah Rising and know that every dollar you spend directly serves those who are overcoming sex trafficking. We invite you to join The Rise. The Rise is a dedicated community of recurring donors who give strategically to fund the work of ending sex trafficking. Join our community of more than 200 members who have decided to rise up. $10 a month can provide services for women seeking to exit exploitation. $40 a month can provide job training and employment for an overcomer of trafficking. Donate online via credit card, debit, ACH, or Apple and Google Pay at ElijahRising.org slash rise. Hey, welcome back. Okay, Lisa, so... Why is restorative care, trauma-informed, residential-style restorative care, necessary in the work to end sex trafficking? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, well, statistics that I found through um, the Samaritan Women Mm. and um, NTSA say that 95% of women who've been trafficked were sexually abused as children, 87% deal with addiction, 70% grew up in fatherless homes, 48% 48% have been formally diagnosed with some form of depression, anxiety, PTSD, or other mental illness. Yeah. And so the reason restorative care is so important 
to ending this is because we have to address the whole person. You know, um, recidivism is is huge is. because when you have it's such a cyclical form of exploitation and trauma. Right. Um, because you know traffickers are so intentional to form that dependency yeah. on them, whether it be through drugs or whatever form of it's coercion. Intentional though, yeah. Oh, it's so strategic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, much tact and thought goes into it, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, if we're not focusing on the whole person. W- you know, one of our things we talk about all the time is generations, you know? Mm. And so when it comes to generations where it starts with one generation, so if we can start with ours, the women in our generation seeing healing and true, um, restoration happen, um, you know, it's one, one survivor. That's why I love how strong the survivor community is in Houston, because they are the voice of hope, not us. You know, we don't know what it's like to be on the track on the street. It's them. And so, every um, every woman and her story, it's going to connect with another woman in a different way. Sure. So we need more homes. We need more women healing. Um, another issue, you know, it's important, but it's also kind of a, a double-edged sword because there aren't enough beds. Right. There isn't enough room for everybody. So right. say there's like this massive exodus um, from really any location, yeah. right? Say like one strip club just yeah. has a massive exodus yeah. that these women leave and they're like, I'm done. There's not a place for them, you know? So um, it's important because um, it's necessary. Yeah. Otherwise, it's it's just going to... It's going to perpetuate. It is. And, you know, we get that question a lot. I I had this question just this past week. Somebody looked at me and said, okay, this is great what you guys are doing. So, like, is it enough? Mm. And I said, you know, it's not because... We have bed space. We want to continue to grow. We want to continue to make more and more and more and more availability mm-hmm. for uh, overcomers exiting. But even that, like even with our potential capacity, right, which we'll yeah. build to, it still like would not be even a drop in the bucket of what we need in this space. That's it. Yeah. And it's so unfortunate because... Um, even on our intervention teams, you know, we see women who are wanting to leave, and in these crisis moments, we don't we yeah. don't have a place. We have to buy them a hotel room, which is another form of yeah, not just not a good situation. Yeah, you know? it's, yeah. It's, anyway, so. much work to be done. Yeah. So the road to recovery is long. I mentioned before all the statistics of women, what they've experienced mm. before they were ever in, you know, in the life. The road to recovery there is hard in itself. Yeah. You know, for any of those forms of trauma. But you take someone who's been extremely traumatized on all the dimensions of their personhood. Right. And you, uh, it takes a special kind of healing. You know, you need a kind of a life pause to go away yeah. and, um, and do that. And we need people who understand, not the cliches, not the memes you see on Instagram, but people who are willing to, Get in and learn, right? You know, um, what is truth versus mm. what's on whoever so and so's research, you Absolutely. know, and you don't know unless you're talking to survivors, you don't know what is true unless yeah. you're actually out there. So, um, but we need survivors, we, we want these women to live and to know full life. Yeah. So, um, and every life counts, yeah, every life matters. Right. So, right. um, whether we have one woman or 84 women, it's sure. the work that, and those programs out there who are doing it in, in small numbers like that, that is deep, um, meaning those are deep, meaningful seeds. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So why a house? <laughs> why, why uh, this question has kind of popped up in my head. Like mm-hmm. why are, why do we do this in a, 
single family residence? Like why, what is it about being in a home that's important to this work as opposed to like, I don't know, um, like some institutional type feeling or Mm -hmm. like some, you know, 50, you know, like think hotel or like, some. you know, does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you and I probably both know that healing happens in relationships, Mm. you know, and not an institution. I mean, institutions have their place and their purpose, right? but we all need hospitals. We all need hospitals. Sometimes people need a medical hospital to have that form of intervention and things like that. But that's not, these women need uh, an environment where they're understood and heard for what their specific trauma is. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's a community model. I mean, there there are places that have more um, institutional s- style settings, you know, um, but we're we're just so community oriented, yeah. you know, and um, providing these women healing community um, with healthy individuals to help them through that process, pr- yeah. help guide them through that process, um, you know. And a lot of these women wake up, and you, it could be, you know, a drop in center or something like sure. that. There's a model yeah. for that, but but. Our 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 model serves these women in a way that when they wake up and they're having a hard time sleeping because nightmares, there's someone there. Yeah, you know, there's someone there 24/7. to listen or yeah. not listen, mm-hmm. or cry with her or just be with her until mm-hmm. you know she's back to where she realizes, hey, you know what? And maybe she's having a flashback, which she's kind of out of her body in that moment. Mm-hmm. She needs someone there to tell her, hey, it's okay. Hey, it's okay. You're not. You're okay right now. You're safe. Yeah. So the overnight care is is really such a a special um, time to be with them because it's yeah. it's the time when they feel the most vulnerable. You know, and I, I don't say that in a sense of like, you know, um, they just need that. You know, in no. a time when they've woken up in terror right. to be reminded to have someone else there to with you to say. Hey, you're safe right now. Yeah, you are safe. Yeah, you're safe. You've chosen life and you're living your life and you're doing this. You're doing the hard thing to heal and you don't have to be afraid anymore. You know, it's a her. Like she she chooses to be there. Mm. So these women are choosing to wake up every day and do the arduous hard work of healing. You know, there are people who have who don't realize their trauma and they're traumatizing everybody else around them. But these women are choosing every day to wake up and heal. Yeah. That's amazing. It's a miracle. It's a miracle and it's amazing. And it's an honor to participate in that choice. Yes. I could just literally cry talking about it. Yeah. It's such a privilege. So let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Sure. Um, I think we've talked about all the good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to talk about the hard stuff for a minute. So what are the biggest challenges to restorative care? And and feel free to answer this question like just Elijah Rising specific, but also just, you know, we're not the only restorative care program in Houston or, you know, certainly not in, in, mm-hmm. in the nation around the world. So from your kind of expert positioning, what are those biggest challenges that are faced? Yeah, so... Um, and talking to some colleagues in the field, some shared obstacles we have or really complications we have is when, um, you know, the woman feels that her safety has been jeopardized, okay. you know, so yeah. that's that, a big deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah. Cause when your trust is broken, um, and you never really know what's going to do it, mm. you know, um, it could just be, she senses that you're not entirely genuine that day yeah. and that's legit. That's a good reason not to trust somebody, you know, yeah. um, but that's kind of in the weeds a little bit. But another another huge challenge that a lot of programs face is, um, you know, staffing. 
Mm. Um, so getting the funds for appropriate staffing. Sure. So in a, especially in a residential in a residential program, um, if you are a twenty four seven care right. program, um, that means you have to pay people to be there. Uh, yeah, twenty four seven. And in know? our case, like because you know of our capacity, like it's it's multiple people twenty four seven. It's yeah. not just like one person. We're paying multiple salaries to kind of live there, right? You know? And then you have people on call if there's an emergency mm, or yeah. or different things like that. So yeah, sure. um, so that's a shared. I would say a universal um, a universal. Um, kind of struggle that we have as um, different program leaders. Um, Another is, and I think we, we've done a good job of uh, finding resources. So we, a lot of programs don't know what resources are out there. Mm. Um, That's why I love, you know, agencies like NTSA or uh, National Trafficking Sheltered Alliance um, does a wonderful job of connecting shelters to one another. So really resourcing resourcing different organizations with connections, yeah, you know, just yeah. a networking agency, sure. you know, and they, that's also where we get a lot of our referrals for residents as well. So mm-hmm. I, I could talk about them forever. I love them so much. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, that, really anything, not anything, um, there are going to be natural, you know, complications or not complications. That's a strong word. Um, challenges, Right. Challenges when you're when you're engaging with and partnering with someone on a healing journey. Yeah. You know, um, in any context, that's going to be difficult and and challenging because it's it's it requires a form of otherness. It's not about you. Mm, It's good. It's about the survivor, the person who's doing the hard work. Right. And so um, getting earning the trust in that place is, is very challenging, yeah, um, sure. where it's like, we're committed to you. Um, commit to yourself. Yeah. You don't have to commit to us, commit to yourself yeah, that you yeah. want to do this work. So that's, yeah. that's a, that's a huge challenge. Um, but I would say a universal challenge that I've heard and seen, and I mean, it just is, you know, this as well is, is funding, you know, cause yes. you can have this awesome, you know, we have projections for the next, not projections. We have plans right. rather for the next, you know, three to four years. And, it's like, okay, Lord, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> this is going to be so great. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> big dreams, big plans, big dreams, big plans on yeah. paper, and so, <laughs> That's right. That's um, right. you know, yeah. So, um, yeah, funding is tough, and I think you know I'm the development director, right? So like that's that's the that's the place my brain is every day here at Elijah Rising, and, and you know some some of the difficulty is sometimes it's hard to convey to people it is expensive. Like this work is expensive mm-hmm. to, to like, think about how much money it costs you to live. Yeah. Right. Like you have a salary, mm-hmm. you know, and if you've got children, right. Mm-hmm. Multiple children. If you're running a household of five, how much money does it cost you to operate that household? Right. And it's, and so sometimes we bump up against this challenge where it's like, wow, that seems so expensive. And the answer is, yeah, it is. But we are providing everything yeah like like our residents go through this program at no cost no cost yes whatsoever to them Mm -hmm. um because we want no strings attached to their healing Mm -hmm. right we want to create this environment where they can freely heal yeah Uh, we're not asking anything from you just show up nothing yeah right and so that's kind of it shifts that uh, role and uh, and the responsibility onto the public at large to mm-hmm. say these people are worth it. Yeah, 
these individuals are worth providing all the space and time necessary to go on that healing journey because guaranteed they're going to come out on the other end and be some of the most successful contributing members of society that we have ever seen. Totally. So invest in them now. Yeah. In this very expensive program. <laughs> yeah. That we promise we are stewarding the funds well. We promise we are. Uh, it's so all that online. They, right. You can it, see everything. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, the books are open, you know. Yeah. And so, sorry, I, I took over the podcast there for a minute. Just, you know, the development <laughs> director good. making the pitch. But um, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate your transparency in those challenges because it, it's just not easy. It's not mm-hmm. easy work, right? Yeah. Um, but rewarding work. Rewarding. Absolutely. So let's talk about those hopes and dreams then. Yeah. So what are some short and long-term hopes and dreams of for, for maybe for the program, maybe for the women that are in the program? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously our primary objective is to empower and serve these women really well yeah. um, and resource them. That's the dream. That's the dream. Right. Big picture and forever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, we also want to equip them for real life, you know, and things like that. So just really right now we're, we're only a year and a half old as a program. And so we're fine tuning our processes and really thinking big, you know, creating a structure in itself that will sustain the growth that we have, um, that we're hoping for, you know? Um, so thinking ahead, um, believing that God, we're really partnering with God in this mission. Mm -hmm. It's not our big dream. I think it's, um, I mean, it is, but it's because he's, I think he has a plan for this and for them, um, each woman who comes through our program, as well as her children, you know, like, so whenever we're approaching this, um, it's Mm -hmm. always, like I mentioned before, it's always generations, you know, because these women, whether whether they have children or they do not, um, you know, this is a, this is generational work, you know, um, so, um, and then after they leave our program, you know, continued support and building out a great system there where we have, you know, different, we already have great partners in the UAHT. We have different partners yeah. that will partner with them as well on their, yeah. on the back end of that, the, the remaining years of their um, recovery. Sure. Long term, um, we are, I mean, we have, our, our listeners probably know that we have 80 acres. We have yeah. a little more than 80 acres. Um, in a rural part of Houston. And, um, our hope is to, you know, develop that land out short term. We have a couple homes that need restoration. Um, they're older. And so they just need to be finished out so that we have one main home right now where, um, you know, that community is kind of cultivated and there are three, well, four more houses that need to be kind of restored so that as women are transitioning, they have a place to go, and uh, maybe they're not ready to move out completely on their own, yeah. but they're ready to have a car and sure. go drive themselves to work. A and bit more independence. More independent, yeah, for yeah. sure. And so, um, you know, we need more space for that. We yeah. have that that first landing place for them home, or, or you know, yeah. as home. But we need those those next homes built out beyond that, you know, the 80 acres, there's this beautiful master plan that was, um, developed, um, by a generous donor and our ED, our executive director, Micah. And, um, you know, the plans for that are 
like a little community and really to give back that the town that we're in has such a rich history and yeah. we want to see economical de- economic development there. Yeah. We want to see this whole community restored. Yeah. Um, God's entrusted that land to us. And so we believe that um, the vision goes beyond ourself and what our agenda is. Um, it's so much bigger than us, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if we only are hyper-focused on this, like we can do ex- be excellent at this, but sure. we have to be open to, um, you know, what else? And so the development of that land is huge. Yeah. So yeah. we're hoping that will happen sooner than later. Well, and it just models too, I think for our residents, like we don't just serve ourselves, Mm -hmm. like, right. That's not a fulfilled life. If you're just serving self, I mean, it's necessary, right. You need to do the work for yourself. I mean, you said that a couple of times, but like it models the fact that we have to serve others. Like that's where the enrichment of life comes in is, is where you're giving of yourself for the sake of another. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's great. So I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for your voice. And so just, um, you know, kind of the last question I always ask our guests is, is there anything I've missed, anything you think is important to share? Or, you know, how, how, what are some ways that people, the listeners, the viewers um, can participate in this work? Yeah. Um, I don't think you've missed anything, but I do. Um, I think people have a hard time knowing where they fit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they yeah. have a hard time knowing where they fit in this realm like I want to do something yeah but um I don't know what where to start you yeah. know um we have a great team that can coordinate with you know if they run into volunteer your time that is a valuable resource you know your skills and what you right. have to offer it has a place here you know these women are looking for um people who are genuine to partner with them um and so are we you know we we want genuine um people who are compelled to seek justice and do justice on earth um to partner with us um you know, and one of another resource is um, financially partnering with us through, um, you know, whatever sets your heart on fire. You yeah, know, right. like yeah. there's really a, so many places to sew into every dollar counts. the work that we're doing. Yeah. yeah, every dollar counts. And we count every dollar. You That's know, right. we make every dollar work. And, um, you know, yeah. yeah. So thanks for being on the podcast today, Liesl. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Thank you for joining us today for this episode. If you were inspired by this content today, please share, rate, and leave a review. Also, please consider making a donation at elijahrising.org donate. Your support helps us continue the vital mission to combat sex trafficking. Until next time.